Welcome to the Aporia podcast. Remember, you can listen to this podcast on all the major platforms. If you like the show, you love the Aporia magazine. Find the link in the show notes along with our Twitter and a link to the bonus questions we ask our guests. Hello, this is Bo Weingard with Aporia podcast. And I am joined today by my co-editor, Noah Carl, to discuss hereditarianism or race and IQ. Is there a taboo? And we'll start this discussion. It'll be more of a discussion, less of an interview. But uh, you and Michael Woodley, I'm going to mess this up. Michael Woodley of Mean? Uh, I think it's Mani, but I okay. could be wrong. All right. I'm, I'm not going to use that. I hope he does not take offense, but I don't want to mispronounce it all the way through this. <laughs> <laughs> so you and, and Woodley wrote this article, which was a response to an article by Jackson Jr. and Winston about the taboo surrounding race and IQ. So can you say what, like, what did Jackson and Wilson argue? Winston. Yeah. Um, yeah, Winston, excuse me. So in 2019, Woodley and I published a short article in Intelligence, which we uh, has reported a new database of controversies in the field of intelligence research. There had been several previous reviews of controversies, but we thought it uh, was worthwhile to actually construct a database, i.e. with individual cases corresponding to individual controversies. And um, in that 2019 paper, we uh, did some brief sort of descriptive analysis of the database. We didn't do anything too fancy, just sort of plotted the numbers over time and and by researcher and drew a few conclusions and, and uh, sort of wrapped up by offering advice to intelligence researchers about what to do if they get embroiled in a controversy. Then, um, to our surprise, a year later or a few months later, a paper appeared with the title The, the, um, the Mythical Taboo Against Race and IQ or something along those lines. Yes. Published in a different journal, which was largely but not completely a response to our um, paper in intelligence. And in this in this mythical taboo paper, the authors allege that there's actually no real academic taboo against research on race and IQ. In fact, it's just that the, the relevant research is so shoddy that it, you know occasionally gets um, retracted or people responsible for it are disinvited because people realize that they're, you know, just pseudoscientists and therefore don't deserve a platform at a, this or that university. And uh, hence, the, you know, the, the taboo is ultimately a myth. We were rather surprised by this argument since it seems to fly in the face of so much evidence, or rather the evidence seems to fly in the face of it. And uh, so we wrote a response which is our recent paper, in which we try to address the, the, the claims made in the uh, Jackson and Winston paper. Now, you asked, uh, what, what exactly did they say? Well, they, um, yeah, they begin by developing the argument that, that what appears to be a taboo is actually just a number of cases in which poor research was rightly rebutted or cancelled or attracted or poor researchers were appropriately um, disinvited or, or uh, relieved of their 
positions. Then they go on to criticize our database um, on two counts. The first count is that we, uh, we omitted a large number of cases that should have been included, notably mm -hmm. cases involving left-wing or environmentalist researchers being subjected to sanctions. And their second main criticism was that we included a large number of cases which shouldn't have been included because they weren't really controversies related to intelligence research, but rather controversies in which people had made political or racist statements and that they happened to be IQ researchers or something like that. So we responded to those claims primarily. Oh, and there's one other claim that they make at the start, which is related to their overall argument that, that there's no taboo, which is that uh, the hereditarian position, like the position that genes make a non-trivial contribution to racial IQ gaps, is overwhelmingly rejected by researchers. Mm -hmm. So that was another empirical claim that right. they made. So I'm I I was only vaguely familiar with Jackson, who seems dishonest, tendentious, polemical. I mean, what some of his previous writings? Um, I know he criticized. Uh, our review of Saini's paper. That's the first time I encountered his writing, and I thought it was one of the worst criticisms. I, I mean, I I like, I enjoy debate, but that was so bad, it was difficult to debate it. <laughs> and so that's how I was familiar with him. And then he, this piece was shocking to me. So think of the temerity of making this claim. This is the claim. There's no taboo, none about race and IQ. Now, that if you're going to make a claim that strong and that counterintuitive, and it's very counterintuitive, because even many scholars who would contend that there is no genetic contribution would admit there's a great taboo here, you had better bring some incredibly powerful arguments. And in my assessment of the paper, which I admit I did not return to, I did read your paper, I didn't want to return to the Jackson paper. <laughs> but as I recall, it was full of a lot of tedious arguments that were more or less beside the point or really didn't matter that much. Should we include some scholar or another? Okay, I mean, I I'm not this, you know, that's important for the database, but it's not important for the claim. And then some very weak arguments about the claim that there's no taboo. And I think the weak arguments are like, oh, if you look at this, it's just slipshod scholarship getting rejected or swatted down correctly by the academic immune system, as it were, right? Yeah. Um, was your assessment of this paper equally dim as mine? Uh, <laughs> and uh, let's uh, try I, to straw man it, it as we proceed. I thought it was wonderful. I thought it was a magisterial piece <laughs> right. of I mean, uh, yeah, we weren't we weren't very impressed. Although our main reaction was was one of bewilderment how someone could possibly yes. make such an outlandish claim. Um, again, because the the empirical matter of whether genes make a make a non trivial contribution to IQ gaps or not is a separate question from whether there's right. a taboo. And one can take a very strong position against hereditarianism on the first question while mm -hmm. still acknowledging that there's a pretty severe taboo. And they decided to reject the both, both hereditarianism both. <laughs> and that there's a taboo um so yeah so we were not um particularly impressed uh, overall one thing i'd like to point out before getting into more of the details is how 
there, there's an enormous asymmetry in the hereditarianism discussion, which is relevant to this paper, I believe, which is that if you're a hereditarian, if you read hereditarian papers, they generally tend to be cautious, circumspect, and make what I would call uh, humble claims. Oh, you, you know, we're saying maybe genes contribute to from anywhere from 20 to 80% of the gap between different races. It, it's generally done with a, a level of cordiality and, and circumspection that you do not find on the other side, because the other side is making an extreme claim. They're making the claim that genes do not play a significant role at all in right. these differences. Even though we know they make a, a, a genes are important for individual variation, so we know that nobody and, really does. And we also know that genes explain, you know, part of why we look different. Yeah, why exactly. Look different. <laughs> All of these phenotypic differences, uh, we know genes play a significant role in those differences, but somehow, magically, the intelligence difference is different. That's an extreme claim. It's okay to make that claim. I, I have no problem, obviously. I mean, I think it's epistemically unwarranted, but fine, we can have a debate about it. But it is an extreme claim. So their argument is that, in fact, it's not, it's not that there's a taboo on hereditarianism. It's that the hereditarian position is so implausible that it gets rejected over and over again and evidence for this is that almost nobody accepts hereditarianism. So let's work on that one. What is the previous data? I mean, we the data are spotty, of course, but what do we know about people's opinions about the hereditarian debate? Yeah, so 